0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter number nine, two places in the Bible Acts chapter number nine and Acts chapter number twenty six. Acts chapter number 9 and Acts chapter number 26. Well, when I heard that song, Neath the Banner of the Cross, it just has kind of that feel to it, like we should all stand up and get in formation and start marching in step, you know what I mean? I just <laughs> do some drilling ceremony. Some of you uh, veterans know what I'm talking about. Just get out here and just be in cadence. You know, one of the statements I heard Dr. Dave Hardy say one time is, and I'm just paraphrasing, I'll butcher the whole thing, but he was talking about being in concert with God. He had made a statement like that in, in a sermon I heard him talking about being in concert with God. And at first I didn't really know what he meant, but then I, I the Lord just helped me. You know, there's something special about, you know, I, I enjoy everything, everything, I say everything, a lot of things about the military, everything about the training. I may not have joined it at the time, but looking back, I enjoyed it. I really loved to have soldiers, men and women, in uniform marching in step and cadence. One of the most annoying things to me is when I see a unit walking around or in, and marching and they're being led in a cadence, and you've got like that one guy who's doing all this number here and everybody else is in step. It just, he just looks goofy. I thought, man, come on, man, fix yourself, do something, get back, get in step. And uh, I think what Brother Hardy meant by being in concert with God is, boy, it'd sure would be good if we just got in step with Him. Yes, sir. He's leading and leading the cadence and leading us in advancement. And sometimes we get out of step, and boy, it's just as goofy as all get out. And some may look at us and say, "What is wrong with you? Come on, get in step." he calls out that cadence and gives us an opportunity. Boy, it'd be good. Just this week, I just feel like God's tried to work on me just in several areas just to get in concert with him, get in step with God. I like it. I just, I, mean, I just, I, I want to, when I heard Neat the Banner of the Cross, I'm like, man, just make us all stand up and start marching. Get under the banner. Get in step with God. Mm. This week, um, pastor started it off with this thought of whatever, whatever. If you've been here this week, praise the Lord for that. Some weren't able to be here, some chose not to be here. You know, that's, that's all right, but I tell you, we met with the Lord this week, and he met with us rather, and uh, and uh, you know, we started it off with this this thought of whatever, not whatever in pride, but whatever in God, I'll do whatever it is. I'll, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And, and boy, I just knew, I had two passages I was considering and I just knew when I heard that where we'd be this morning, Acts chapter number nine. Yeah. It's often said, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Yeah. You know, I think there is some truth, some truth to that, but it sure is good to see somebody start well and finish well, yes. you know, I want to kind of give you this idea this morning. As we read through Acts chapter 9, I'm going to intertwine my testimony a bit on how God called us into military missions and got us to the, it's a long story, I'm not going to go to the whole story, you'd have to come to the preacher's house and watch football to hear that story, okay? (laughs) And it's a long story and God did some unbelievable things, but really I could boil it down to just some few simple truths that I believe are right here in Acts chapter number 9 and uh, I want to consider this thought, you can't finish unless you start. No doubt, it's, it's often not how you start, but how you finish. But can I tell you, unless you start, you won't finish. And uh, I think God's been working on some hearts this week that there's some things that need to get started. And there's some things that need to continue so that you can finish well. When I consider the commission of the Great Commission, when I consider who will go, and all that's involved in surrender, and all that's involved in what we have to do as a as well, what you have to do as a local church here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and in and in the local church all over the local churches all over the world, and the Great Commission, boy, it could seem kind of daunting. It can seem almost impossible we consider faith promise missions, and, 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 and I love this statement, uh, what, what's going to take place today in, in, in taking up your faith promise commitment is this it's, it's the most important business meeting of the church to determine the fate of the world. That's right. Today. What you do with missions, what you decide today, what you do with what you've heard this week. From, from God's man, Brother Humbert. And, and, and as we consider whatever, what's decided today could determine the fate of our world. Right. And it lies in your hands, church. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. Right. And we need to take ownership of that. When I consider men like, like Moses and Joseph and, and, and uh, when I consider even the, the great apostles, today we're gonna talk about the Apostle Paul. When I look at these men, I think, boy, I could never attain to that. When I look at men like uh, Brother Humber, who spent 40 years pastoring at one church, uh, well, I could never, how could I ever reach that level? I remember sitting as a teenager thinking uh, I'd, I'd see guys like Tom Malone preach and, and different men of God, and, and, I'd, and I'd look at them and say, how could I ever get to that place? I mean, uh, surely these guys don't have the, the past that I have. Surely these guys don't deal with the struggles that I deal with. And can I just say this as respectfully as I can this morning, and then we'll get right into the text, and I mean this with no disrespect at all, but there is nothing special about a Bruce Humbert. There, there is nothing special about, about a, a Pastor Jason Jett, and he knows what I mean in my heart behind this. There, there's, no, there's nothing special about a Brother Barlow, and he even said it this morning. There, there's nothing special about Rob Kitchen. There's nothing special about the Apostle Paul right. Right. apart from Jesus Christ. And you may be sitting in your seat today and you would be saying, Preacher, but there's nothing special about me. There's nothing I can bring to the table. There's just nothing good about my life. And you don't know what I've been through. And you don't know what goes through my mind. And you're absolutely right. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are a nothing and a nobody. But I'm so glad in Colossians chapter number two, and Colossians chapter number three, that we are complete in him. It is Jesus that makes us something. You say, preacher, is that free? Well, it is, but it's part of the passage. I want you to look. If you're just able out of respect of reading God's word, would you just stand with me? If you're not able, that's okay, but I'd like to just read a few verses here as we consider the, the scriptures this morning. You know, the apostle Paul was not always the apostle Paul. In this passage, he's going to be referred to as Saul. So don't get, don't, don't get. Mistaken on who we're talking about here. We are talking about the great apostle. We are talking about the one who reached the Gentile people. But in this passage of scripture, he's not known by that. He's known by something terrible. And not just his name, but what followed his name. Let's look here in Acts chapter number nine. (coughs) The Bible says in verse one, And Saul... Look how it describes him. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Every time I read that, I think of a fire-breathing dragon. I I just, in my mind, I just picture somebody who is just, everything that's coming out of Saul's life and Saul's mouth concerning the church is detrimental and destructive and and, and he's a killer. Uh Breathing out threatening and slaughter, against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, Now, if you mark in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to circle those two words, this way. When it, when in this passage of scripture, it's talking about those who are the church of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus started, followers of Jesus, this way. He said, if, if he found any of this way, the followers of Christ, His church, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? This morning, I want us to consider starting. Starting right here is where the apostle Paul started. Uh Now you can look at the whole New Testament and you can see all the letters that Paul wrote and all the churches that he did and all the journeys that he made. All the souls that were led to Christ, but Paul started somewhere. And it was in Acts chapter number 9. And if you're gonna to get to the end of your life, if you're gonna to get to a, a place where, where you are, are surrendered and serving Christ, you must start somewhere. And I believe there's some questions right here in this passage of scripture that, that Saul asked that we need to answer today in our own life. Amen. So we're gonna pray and I'm gonna have you be seated and then we'll get right into the text. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, so much. Lord, for the opportunity to sing your praises. To participate in that as a church, to to listen as those who gave special music, God, not for us, but to sing unto you, God, and we were able to enjoy that and in our hearts be able to participate the same way and even to to vocally participate. And Lord, now is the time that we desire to hear from you. If we came this week and this morning to hear from a man, God, we have come for the wrong reasons. We desperately, desperately, desperately need to hear your voice speak to us as if our lives depended on it. So God, would you do that? Would you give us ears to hear so that we could hear you and hearts to receive your word? And God, I ask once again that you'd fill me with your unction to preach your word and God, that you loose my tongue. And Lord, we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise that you'd rightfully deserve. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I hope this is mine. I'm gonna drink it. I don't have cooties. In order to finish, you must start. Yeah, I kind of briefly mentioned this, but in, in July of 2001, 19th, actually, I was at the Bill Rice Ranch. I did not grow up in a Christian home. My mom, even to this day, is a drug addict. She was a drug addict my entire life. My dad served 22 years in the United States Army and was a very hardened man before I was even born. It's been told to me that my dad used to serve serve God and his in a, in a local church, a Baptist church, he was a deacon, he was a soul winner, he was a bus captain, I never knew that man. My entire life, I can maybe count on one hand how many times I saw my dad go to church. He was bitter and angry at God for whatever reason. So I was primarily reached through the bus ministry of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In the same town, just to kind of give you a geographical idea, is where the Sword of the Lord is right there in Murfreesboro. And the Bill Rice Ranch is also right there in Murfreesboro, right in between Murfreesboro and Franklin on, on Highway 96. And in the week of July, as if I'd, been, I'd been coming on the bus since I was eight years old, all the way up until I was 14 at that point, and I was... I, had, I was fixing to go to football camp. We was fixing to go into high school, and, and I was starting to lift the weights and, and started getting my mind ready to start playing football. I wanted to go play for the University of Tennessee, go Vols, even though they lost yesterday. They're terrible. And uh, if they'd had me, they'd have had a, you know, uh, something going, but they didn't. So I'm just kidding. Yeah, you can tell by looking at me. That ain't the truth. So, and I had all these ambitions and all these desires, I looked at my own dad's life, I looked at my own current life situation, I thought, and, and, and I thought, how could God love me and let me live in this, in this mess, in this world where my mom doesn't come home for days and, and when she is home, she's so drugged out of her mind she can't hardly speak half the time or, 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 or she's loud and embarrassing or my dad uh, doesn't really pay much attention to us, doesn't ever open up a Bible, doesn't ever talk about the things of God. I never heard God st- God's name spoken in my home unless unless it was used as a curse word. How could God love me? I'd look at my dad, who was a who was a harsh and bitter and angry man, and, I, and it just made me angry and angrier and angry in my heart, It'd get hardened and hardened and hardened, and I'd think, well, if this is what it's supposed to be like. I don't, you know, I don't want anything to do with, with Christianity and all that. And I'd look at some of those people and I'd say, look how happy they are. I'll never be able to have a Christian home like that. I'll, I'll never be able to have those things. I'll never be able to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'll, I'll never be able to have all of those things because I live here in this mess. Hi, I'm Brother Saul's. We run a bus route through this neighborhood and I, I was just wondering if, if you were interested in letting your kids just ride the church bus. We got things to, to entertain them on the, way to bu- on the way to church. We'll take good care of them and, and we just want them to be in Sunday school and want to be able to, you know, just take them to church. Would you be okay with that? And as, even as hard as my dad was, he said, yeah, that's fine. If they want to go, they can go and <laughs> anything to get out of the house. So we went. I wish I could say that we got saved right there at an early age. I say we, I'm the oldest of three boys. Me and my, my, me and my next brother would go. My other one was too young. And we'd go and we'd go and we'd go. And then I remember coming up to my freshman year that, that my youth pastor was talking about church camp. And I already thought my youth pastor was weird. He smiled all the time. He had his hair parted just right. He went to Pensacola Christian College. We make fun of them for the way their hair is. But it was always parted perfectly. He was always smiling. He always had this weird bounce in his step. And I thought, I don't like him. He's too happy. Nobody's that happy. <laughs> Not knowing that he'd become my best friend. Not knowing what God was going to do. Using him to change my life. And uh, he said, why don't you come to church camp? I thought, church camp? What in the world is that? Never even heard of that. And he said, the Bill Rice Ranch. I'm like, a ranch? Are you serious? Like, automatically had, like, John Wayne and stuff going through my mind. Like, (laughs) what's fixing to happen at the ranch, you know? And I thought, well, my dad's not going to pay for me to go to church camp going to football camp in two weeks he said well I'll pay for it you just come oh ah, okay I'll come boy I just loved I was about to be a freshman and I was an athlete and I was a big guy and you know I was kind of quiet if you can believe that uh, when I most of the time and and uh even I, I just like to hang out with the, the juniors and the seniors you know they were big bad dudes and They were pretty cocky, and our youth group at that time, our juniors and seniors, they had no desire to live for God, I mean, the majority of them, and that's just speaking fact, that's not whatever you call it, gossip, that's not what that is, it's truth, and I thought, man, these guys are cool, I'm hanging out with them all week, and I started doing that, and I, boy, they just built, it just built up that pride and pride and pride more and more and more in my heart. And I remember preacher, preacher, Brother Steve Robertson was preaching that week, and he preached on James chapter number three on a Thursday night. And he was talking about the tongue and how the, the Bible says in James 3 that no man can tame the tongue. And, and, I, and I arrogantly, in my, in my pride and arrogance, said it out loud. I can do whatever I want to do. And not God or man's going to stop me. Now, friends, I don't know what happened within that moment, but and, and, and it wasn't like what happened here in, in Acts chapter number 9 where I heard a voice from heaven. And can I just say, if you leave here today and you heard a voice from heaven, men, it's because you had too much gravy and biscuit for breakfast. It is not because Jesus is speaking to you it's something else that's going on Jesus speaks to us through his word faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God we know that all uh, th- th- those things that are, are, that are done in part are done away because we have that which is new we, we have God's word to speak to us through the preaching through the singing God's word speaks to our hearts so don't come out of here saying I heard a voice you heard something but it wasn't his voice and I didn't hear a voice but it felt like me. It felt like out of the two hundred some odd teenagers in that room, it was just me sitting there. Yes, sir. And the Holy Spirit came down, down right where I was at, and, and as soon as I, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit came down and smote my heart and said, uh, "This is your last chance." I'm speaking to you. If you think you're going to come before God in your pride and your arrogance, you're wrong. boy was he right I remember walking the aisle and accepting Jesus Christ as my savior I could take you to the spot you say really preacher yes this year my wife and I had the opportunity to go 20 years ago but 20 years this year in fact it was the same exact week in July that we were in Murfreesboro Tennessee and I walked right into the John R. Rice Auditorium as if I'd never left walked right down the aisle where I once walked Right to the spot. And I just stood there and I thought, boy, this is where it all started. This is where it all began. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, verse 3. And he fell to the earth. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he, being Saul, said this question number one Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou? If we're going to consider starting and finishing, we have to answer this question: Who is the Lord? who is the Lord. Well, preacher, you don't understand, but Brother Spencer's been preaching this for years and Brother Jets has been preaching it for as long as he's been here and I think we got a pretty good grasp on, on who Jesus is. Yeah, well, Saul had a pretty good grasp on a lot of religious things. He had a pretty good knowledge, I'd say, of, of the Old Testament law and... In every single minute detail that he had to do in his life to, to be accepted amongst the Pharisees. But but when Jesus came to him and, and he came to him and he shined as and he came to him as a bright light, it says in Acts 26, we'll get there, that it was even brighter than the sun. Paul fell, Saul fell to his knees and he said, Who art thou, Lord? So, question number one this morning: Do you know him? Do you know him? I don't, I don't mean this, do you have an intellectual knowledge of him, although that's important, you must intellectually know him, know who he is, you must be able to have an intellectual knowledge of what the scripture says, but let me ask you this, do you know him personally? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Have you started, can I, can I tell your friend this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you haven't started yet. You're here and you've been born, but you haven't really even started with life. The Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And until you meet Jesus, until the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts your heart and you accept Jesus Christ, not until then do you go from death unto life. Your life hasn't even started yet. Can I beg you this morning, as we've even heard it sometimes this week, that if you have not started this this week, if you have not started yet, you've been sitting here and you've been wondering what's all this about. Maybe you've been playing church. Maybe you've made a profession of faith. But you've never really accepted Jesus. It's just been an intellectual knowledge. But at this point, you've never made a relationship with Jesus. You've never come to know him. This morning, this morning is time to start. Uh, how, how do I get to be where Paul was? How do I get to be where some of these men are? How do I get to be where the Humbert is? Or, and all these things. And I'm not telling you your life's going to be identical to them. But they started somewhere and they could come out here and give a clear testimony of the day that they received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it may have been when they were a five-year-old boy or five-year-old child. It may have been sometime later in life. I don't know where it is for you. But at some point in your life, you must be able to give a testimony clear and sure that I was saved. I was born again on this day I started here every race has a starting line they don't let you just kind of jump in wherever you have a starting line and you have a finish line who art thou Lord now I want you to notice some things about (coughs) excuse me Saul Notice in verse number one his posture, or how I would call it posture, but how the scripture describes him yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Saul was a man of great zeal. Some, some someone tried to explain to me a couple weeks ago that, that Saul may have only been like five foot four. I'm not sure how they knew that. But even more so, if that was the case, a guy that's five foot four, if you're a man and you're five foot four, it's nothing against you. I'm just saying he was a very feared man. A man of great authority. And notice how it describes him in verse number one. I could just see him coming in on the scene. he's just, I'm Saul. And nobody dares cross my path. No, nobody of this way. But then it changes in verse 4 when he fell to the earth. His posture changes. And he said, who art thou, Lord? I believe it was already in Saul's heart to know who the Lord was. Well, Why do you say that? Well, because of the way Jesus responded to him. He said, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I often wondered what that meant. And really, I believe it means this, that all the witnesses that you've had, Saul, all of the ones who followed me and bore witness of, of my name and my gospel, I think of Stephen when he was stoned and Saul was there, a man of authority holding the coach, really just giving the go-ahead for those to pick up the stone and, and, to, and to persecute and to kill Stephen because of the way he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, the witnesses, the, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and coming in and convicting you, it's pricking your heart, it's prodding, it's hard for you, Saul, to resist that. You may be in here this morning, you may have heard all this wonderful singing and your heart's been stirred and you know that you've never been born again. You have never received Jesus Christ and you're struggling right now and you're sitting there. And and I'm not trying to make it something it's not, but can I just tell you, friend, when when I came face to face with the Holy Spirit that day, I was once an enemy of God. And there was some battle going on between my will and my desire and and the Holy Spirit saying, no, this is what God said. This is what God wants for your life. (coughs) And it was hard. He was pricking my heart. All the witnesses that I'd heard from years gone by of Jesus was stirring within me. Have you started yet? How do I start by coming before him and saying, Lord, who art, who art thou? I want to know you. Amen. I want you to be my savior. Amen. Yes, amen. Notice he didn't come to him this way. Like Pharaoh, when he said, Who is the Lord? Yeah, right. yeah. Big difference. Moses said, in Exodus chapter 4, when I go before them and I say that, that I'm sent, sent who, who do I tell them sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent me. And there's a whole message we could preach on just those two words, I am. But he said, you tell them the eternal Jehovah God sent you. And I, and I hear in Exodus chapter 5 when Pharaoh said, who is the Lord And in his pride and arrogancy? Boy, he was fixing to find out. When I think of Daniel chapter 3 and, and Nebuchadnezzar and the, the three Hebrew boys stood before him facing a, a damnation in that fire, facing sure death in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar said, and who is that God? Boy, did he find out the hard way. But I don't believe that's what Saul was coming, coming at Jesus with. I believe he was coming with him with that attitude and that spirit. Can I just remind you, friend, that not not a single one of us who was born again ever came to Jesus with a high hand and a proud look. No, you came before him in humility, in fear, and in trembling, knowing that you were face-to-face with Almighty God. And if you think that you're sitting here and you're saved today and you did it on your terms, you're wrong. And I'd be checking up today, this morning. You didn't do it on your terms. You didn't do it your way. Who art thou, Lord? I love that Jesus didn't play around with him. He said, I'm Jesus. Yeah. I'm Jesus. Reminds me of John chapter number four, the woman at the well. And Jesus said, give me to drink. And she went through that whole thing. We heard in Sunday school about him being a Jew, her Samaritan. And he said, he said, if you knew who it was and asked you for a drink, you would have asked me for living water. And Jesus went through this whole process in verse number 26 of chapter number 4. She said, when the Messiah, verse 25, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. Verse 26, I that speak unto thee am he. Amen. See, see, this morning, if you came this morning and you're wanting to know who God is, you want to know who Jesus Christ is, Put your pride and your arrogancy aside, and you come before him in humility and in fear and genuinely wanting to know, Jesus, I, I want to know you. If somebody could take a Bible and we could show you what thus saith the Lord and so what the scripture says and Jesus will reveal himself to you from his word. But don't think that you're gonna come to him on your terms in your way and in your abilities and your pride. And he's just going to come out and reveal himself to you. He may do it, but it's not going to be the way you like, I'm afraid. Ask Pharaoh. Ask Nebuchadnezzar. And all the others who came before God with a high hand and a proud look. He'll reveal himself. But you may find him in his might and in his wrath rather than his grace and his mercy. Do you know him this morning? Who art thou, Lord? Lord. I want to even ask the same question again because I believe Paul, the next, the, next two, or the next question, Paul spent the rest of his life trying to answer this question. He asked who art thou to Jesus at this very moment, but I believe Paul spent the rest of his life asking that question, who art thou, Lord? Now, now I'm not trying to confuse you because that does not mean that, that Paul spent the rest of his life trying to maintain or keep his salvation. No, he got born again right here in Acts chapter number 9. But I believe what we see out of Philippians chapter 2 is the heart of Paul when, it, when, we, when we consider that question. If we've been saved this morning, who is the Lord that I may know him? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his suffering. Let me ask you this question. Since you've been saved, since you've been born again, have you been living your life seeking out Jesus Christ to build a relationship with him? Or are we still a bunch of babes in Christ, and and we, don't, we we're very shallow, and we don't have any knowledge. We know who He is, we know what He did, and we know that He saved us. But that's about as far as it goes. And, and we've turned our life still over to carnality and living for the world, and, and we've not ever built a relationship with Jesus. Well, preacher, I come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm there when the preacher asks me. I came to missions Conference. Those those things are great. But if if you do those things just out of merit, can I tell you there's no merit to it? You have to have a relationship with him if I married my wife which I did 15 years ago and said I love you that day that I married her and and gave her a big old kiss in front of everybody and, 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 and everybody saw that and never said I love you one more time to my wife for the rest of our marriage how do you think that would go? Some of you men got that look like boy you'd be in trouble I wouldn't have these two legs right here I tell you that. <laughs> well, what if I said well I told her once I mean she should know really? Because that'll fly. Well well God should know that I love him. I mean I accepted Jesus as my savior, I go to church. I, I, I mark off the box of my on my on my list of things to do for God. I, as if it's some religious exercise in my life rather than having a relationship with him. He should know. Really? Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? The Bible says in Hebrews that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him and that That our desire should be as born again believers to know our heavenly father, to spend time with him and we do that by knowing his word and and, and having our our lives consumed in this book. I I was just reading through Psalm 119 that said, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh how I love it. I just think about that. Do I love God's word? Do I love him enough to spend time with him, to build a relationship with him, to be around him, to do the things that he does, to be involved in the things he's involved with do I love God or do I just know him do I just know who he is or do I know him intimately and personally do you know him at salvation have you been saved have you started do you know him in your relationship with him In verse number six and he describes him again and he talking about Saul trembling and astonished said question number two Lord what wilt thou have me to do? what wilt thou have me to do? for for a little over 10 years we we served god in ministry through youth ministries and evangelism my wife and I. and I and i wish i could say it was always out of the heart let me rephrase that i wish i could say that i was always every decision i made was a spirit-led decision sure. i wanted to please the lord but i wanted to do it on my terms And I often would move, my wife and I, she would follow me on opportunity and ambition rather than being led by the Spirit of God to do it. When I came to Heartland Baptist Bible College in 2018, the Lord had started a break, I mean for a long time he'd been doing it, but it was coming kind of to a to a head, to a peak of a process of breaking me down. You know where everything just seems to go wrong and your way is just not working and the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart and your life. And I remember finally getting to a place where you just kind of throw your hands up. You're like, okay, I've had enough. Can't I can't do it anymore. And it may not have come out like this. It may not have been these exact words that my heart said, Lord, what would you have me to do? I've tried this and this and this and this and I've been here and here and here and here and we've, we've, done, we've, <clears throat> we've done all of these things in ministry and we've, we've spent years and years and years and Lord, it's just, it's just not working the way that, that it seems it should be working. I feel like that I've been abandoned here and, and now I'm here at Heartland and, I, and I'm trying to trust you and follow you but I am tired of doing it my way and finally my heart came to a place where I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? supposed to do not in anger, not in pride not in not in coming at God but just in, in brokenness and humility and surrender that I'm tired of fighting God God what would you have me to do kind of like we just heard at the first of this conference or whatever yes. whatever Saul said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Verse number eight says, And Saul arose from the earth. When I finally came to a place of surrender, I'd already been saved. I've been saved since July 19, 2001. And I, and I spent time with the Lord. I read my Bible. I tried to live for him. I, I spent time in the word, but I was never fully surrendered to him. I was never willing to, to write, just give it, hand him over just a blank document with my name on it and say, all right, Lord, however you want to fill this in, you do that. I'll sign my life over to you. I was never willing to do that. He finally got me to a place where I couldn't couldn't do it any longer, young person. Listen to me. I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought God for years until God got me to a place where I had to, instead of trying to be a stronghold, turn myself over and say, okay, whatever you had me to do, I'll do it. I'll be yours. I'll go wherever it is. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll sacrifice. Whatever, I'll sacrifice whatever it costs me. So I can know you. Yes. So I can be yours. Turn over to Acts twenty six, real quick, and we're almost done. Preacher, how'd you become a missionary? How'd you get to military missions? Well, I started. 2001, I got saved. Things started moving and I started having a relationship with Jesus. And it took longer than it should have, but I finally got to the point of full and utter surrender to Christ. Look here, Acts 26 is is the Apostle Paul talking, standing before King Agrippa. And he gets the opportunity to give his testimony to King Agrippa. And, and, And he's echoing exactly what just took place in Acts chapter number nine. We'll start reading here in verse number eight. Just read along with me. Paul's talking here. He said, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities." Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, Acts chapter number 9, what we just read, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen, we were all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said... Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now it doesn't show him saying, the, the, the asking the second question, but we see <coughs> the command of Jesus right here in verse number 16 by what we've heard from, from Saul in Acts chapter number 9 when he said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Verse 16, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of, listen to that, a minister and a witness, both of, of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. For what purpose, Lord? Verse 18, to open their eyes. And to, and to and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive a forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me Whereupon O King Agrippa look at this, don't miss this. He said, he asked the question, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And can I just plead with you this morning that maybe you've been asking that question all week. Lord, what would you have me to do this week in Missions Conference? What would you have me to give at Faith, it, it, on Faith Promise Sunday? What would you have me to do with the Great Commission? What would you have me to do concerning how I serve here at my local church? What would you have me to do with God's word? And he did, and he said this, God gave it. Jesus spoke to him in verse, 18, in, verse 19, in verse 17 and 18, and in verse 19, look what he says. Whereupon, O oh King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. I was not disobedient. Friend, I think we have a lot of churches and a lot of good Christians who sincerely want to know what God, they sincerely seek out God. But when God answers them and God gives them a task, they instead of obeying God, they say, Oh no, God. Not that. Not that, God. No doubt you sat in Mrs. conference this week and and you've had the horror as as from day one, God, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Whatever it is. And I believe God's spoken to some people in this room and you've either said, done one or two things, oh no, God, I can't do that, I can't go there, I can't give that, I can't sacrifice any more of this time, I can't invest in this young person, I can't invest in that family, I can't give more of my life to the church, or you said, okay, God, I'll do it, I'll not be disobedient. I'll not be disobedient. And I'll live for God. And we see the testimony of the great apostle Paul. His life was spent being obedient to Christ. Was he perfect? No. Still a sinner. But an obedient one to Christ. Lord, what would you have me to do today? Today when I turn in my faith promise I venture to say he's probably already told you I gave testimony of James yesterday, a new Christian just, just got saved in August and he gave testimony I won't tell the whole story but God spoke to him about what to give in faith promise and he gave something different than what God told him to give he gave less And God convicted his heart from from the time of the Sunday morning service to the Sunday night service. And on Sunday night, he stood before the church and gave testimony that I was disobedient to God. And before the church, he asked for a new faith promise card to say, can I fill out what God told me to put? You say, well, he's a new Christian. He doesn't know really I think it's because he had a heart of this whatever whatever it is Lord and you sat here this week maybe this is your first time here throughout the whole conference and I ask you this question have you started do you know Jesus Christ Is your personal savior. I didn't ask if you come to church. I didn't ask what kind of home you grew up in. I didn't ask what your religious background was. It doesn't matter. Is there a time in your life that you can go to and say. This is where it all began. And if you don't have that testimony. If you don't have that knowledge. If you don't have that place. And you know this is where I met Jesus. Then today you need to come. I'm not saying maybe you should come. No, friend, please listen to me. You need to come this morning. And you need to start. And you need to come know him. And we'll take a Bible. We'll not judge you. We'll not make an an example of you. We just want to show you what God said and how you can know Jesus Christ. And to the believer this morning, are you spending every opportunity that you have every day to get to know Jesus. Are you trying to gain a relationship with him by spending time with him and knowing him and growing in the things of God? Or are you just as young as you were since the day you got saved? And then let me ask you this, friend. Are you willing to come and say, God, whatever? Lord, what would you have me to do? Amen. And He will tell you. He He answered Saul on both questions, yes. and Saul said, "This I was not disobedient. Well, I, I do some of what He said. Well, partial partial obedience is still disobedience." And I urge you, when, this, when these altars, when, when we have our invitation, we're fixing to have it, right? We're fixing to have it. Don't waste any time. Right. You say, well, I can talk to God in my seat. Well, you go ahead and do that your way, as the preacher said earlier this week. You're not really surrendered yet. Because there's something about coming out becoming coming before God in humility and saying, okay, God, I'm yours. You judge me? No, you're doing it yourself. Now, I'm not trying to coax people to the altar. I'm just trying to say we need some old-fashioned humility if we want true surrender. Who art thou, Lord? Because I want to start. Lord, what would you have me to do? Because I want to finish Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 I fought a good fight I finished my course I kept the faith how did he do that? because he maintained a life of trying to know him and doing whatever God told him to do and now is our opportunity to do that every head bowed and every eye closed would you stand with me this morning